2: What is up, everybody? This is Braden from Flint Mastering, and I am the host and content curator of the Mixing Music Podcast exclusive episodes. And today we have for you an exclusive archive, which means you're going to hear an exclusive episode that DK and I recorded almost a year ago. You're going to have the chance to hear what our exclusive episodes are all about and how much fun and learning goes on between me and DK as we discuss technical tips and important techniques in relation to producing Mixing and mastering. If you enjoy this episode and you'd like to be a part of the exclusive content we provide twice a week, you can do so by heading over to mixingmusicpodcast.com forward slash exclusive. Thank you so much for listening. We love you, we appreciate you, and we couldn't do this podcast without you. I hope you enjoy this episode of the exclusive archives. And with that, happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy. <laughs> Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another exclusive subscriber-only episode of the Mixing Music Podcast. First and foremost, thank you for subscribing. We love you, we appreciate you, and we couldn't do this without you. I am your host for today, Braden from Flint Mastering, and joining me is the homie, the daddy, and the mixing engineer <laughs> daddy dk that was terrible what's up dk (laughs) it's all right we're having these traditions like even in the main
3: content like me trying to come up with Lou nicknames i don't know why that started it was so long ago now and like i'm just so exhausted thinking of Lou nicknames (laughs) it's the same thing dude you're just gonna have to come up with something different every single episode i'm not gonna let you try
2: anything else like <laughs> well, that's why the intros are getting more weird and weird. Daddy <laughs> mix engineering, yeah. Anyway, anyway,
3: uh, yeah. Uh, we got another great clip for you today. The, uh, all of these, by the way, uh, big shout out to Braden. Braden puts together these clips. I'm literally just commenting, co- like just creating commentary. Uh, Braden is doing all the heavy lifting for all of these exclusive episodes, and and these this wouldn't be there without Braden. So. Um, really Braden's the one we should be thanking, um, for putting in the effort and the time. It's not, it's not any sort of easy endeavor. Like he does take the time and spends a lot of time thinking about this project. And it's something that I'm specifically grateful for. And I'm sure every listener here is too. Braden does a good job. Make sure you let him know, uh, through the DMs at, at, what is it? Master by Braden? Master by Flint? Flint Flint Mastering. Flint Mastering. (laughs) At Flint
2: Mastering. Yeah. Oh well, thank you. I appreciate it. I do. I put a lot of time and effort into this because I want it to be good. I want it to make it worth your while and worth your money. So yeah. hopefully, we'll do that for you today. Uh, we have a clip from Justin Coletti, who is the I don't even I guess I he's love, like the, I love Justin Sonic what Scoop, is he, like the owner of Sonic Scoop, or I, is he I don't like know. The I think he, I I don't know.
3: He does all of their stuff.
2: Okay, yeah. well he. He is the face of Sonic Scoop, we'll say that. Uh, Sonic Scoop, very successful podcast, very successful YouTube channel. He has a lot of really, really great takes. DK's looking at me funny. No,
3: it's all right. I have, I have reason to suspect that his podcasting format style is copied off of ours. Ah, interesting. Because ours has been out longer, and uh, he, he he's doing a very... Sub- I, I won't go into it, but... Uh, I mean, we are the number one post-production podcast... <laughs> In the world. And uh, it is very smart to copy off of our formatting. That's all I'm going to say.
2: (laughs) So we're not accusing anyone, but maybe. Nah, dude, they should. They should. (laughs) If you're
3: not copying my format, I mean, like, I've proven that it works. Like, might as well copy it. There you go.
2: All right, cool. Well, with that, we'll get into the clip. Justin's going to talk to us about multiband compression and dynamic EQ and their differences. And uh, I figured we'd dive into this since I did an episode about multiband compression a couple weeks ago. So hopefully, you enjoy it. Here it is Justin Coletti, roll the tape. Let's just dive right into it. Uh, just to
4: catch people up who aren't familiar with these terms, multiband compression is a type of compressor where instead of compressing the whole signal at once you're dividing it up into bands so you might just be compressing the bass only and then the whole rest of the mix that would be a two band compressor right you could have three bands you could have a compressor that's just doing the low end one that's just doing the mids and one that's just doing the highs dynamic eq has become more popular more recently and the idea with dynamic eq is very similar. But you've got these EQ-shaped filters. You can have a boost or a cut like you would in a normal EQ or a low shelf or a high shelf and do EQ dynamically. So instead of just doing a low cut always, you're doing a low cut, but only when the low end gets high enough to trigger a threshold. Now let's go into how they're different under the hood. And the answer is they aren't. Yes, multiband compressors and dynamic EQs under the hood are basically the same thing, a compressor, or multiple compressors, with different types of filters. That's really all that there is to it.
2: All right, DK. So Justin Coletti has given us a hot take, and he did it without eating any wings at the same time. He says that (laughs) multiband compression and dynamic EQ are the same thing. Do you agree or disagree, and why?
3: Yeah, they are the same thing. I mean, yes, they are the same thing theoretically, but the workflow of it is very different. And, for example, in order for a multiband, with the same ratio and everything, in order for it to be exactly the same, a multiband compressor and EQ, you need to change the octave, the width, the Q, and the the per-octave... Slant like the cro- and you have to like perfectly emulate the crossover and make sure the thresholds are exactly the same. So, like, even if they're like it, you have to shape the EQs to be like multiband. So, it's more of a workflow difference. You're, mm. you're right. In the code, in, in what a compressor does and how a compressor works, it's exactly the same. But, how, like, for example, in Pro Q3 by FabFilter, the dynamic EQ, it's an automatic threshold. Um, whereas with the multiband, the MB, Filter MB, uh, you have to set the threshold. And there's crossovers. You can, you can do uh, low, mid, high, and infinitely. I don't know how many other points that you want to make. But with an EQ, the slopes are different. They're sloped like EQs, so it's going to be a little bit different as a tool. So it's more of like a workflow and approach rather mm. than anything else. So it'd be hard to compress the entire low end and the entire top end. I guess you can do a high shelf and a low shelf, and then make those dynamic, and you kind of and like cross those over a little bit, and then that would emulate like a two band multi band, I guess. So it's it's not about what it's doing; it's about um, exactly what he said. He says the only thing that's different is the filters, and that's exactly correct. It's more of the approach to using them and the workflow of using them, um, and the convenience. And I so I pick based on convenience as well,
2: and not necessarily how it works. Cool. So do you have some examples for us of when you would reach for a multiband compressor versus dynamic EQ and vice versa?
3: Yeah, I most of the time use uh, dynamic EQ because uh, the way that I use it, one of the ways that I use it is instead of doing a dip of six dBs in a specific frequency, I'll do like three to four and then do the rest with dynamic. So it's like constantly moving. I like that sound. Um, But for example, if I want to do a low shelf and make that low shelf dynamic, instead of using the FabFilter Pro-Q3, I'll use a multiband. It's, It's just, it's more like... It's a convenience workflow thing. I'm, I usually use, I just tip it, like there's really no reason. It's, it's full of no reason of why I pick one <laughs> or the other in that in- instance. And to be fair, I will, just because I'm so used to using Pro Q3 and I love their automatic threshold and how easy it is to use, the automatic compression thing, um, I will more likely pull that up and use that in weird shapes and filters rather than pull up a multiband where I have, where everything is manual and I have to decide what to do with (laughs) it, depending on the source. I mean, if it's it's rhythmic, I want that control, but if it's just a couple frequencies here and there... um, busses i usually do multiband individual tracks i usually do eq it's there's no right or wrong answer each one is completely interchangeable um, it's just a matter of filters and what's comfortable for you for sure mm, very and cool. i yeah and i i rarely ever use multiband i've i've tried to use it before in the past on like mixed bus and have had success with it in the past but recently i've not been using it almost at all
2: what is the reasoning behind that
3: i just i just after a while, I just thought it wasn't helping. I mean, it wasn't mm. bad, but yeah. I, it just—I didn't need it. It was unnecessary after a while. And I know some people that swear by it. Um, I just—I've—and I, I'll probably end up using it again on the mix bus. It'll become a habit of mine. I'm always evolving my style and like things that I like to try. Uh, and that's how I compare and make things better. I don't pull up two plugins on the same track to compare right then and there. I compare over seasons. Of like I'll do different techniques, and then I'll, next season I'll do like a different technique. Um, so uh, yeah, right now I'm just not in the season of using any multibands. It's just it's just dynamic EQs, and I think I've always used mu- dynamic EQs. Like that's something that is not seasonal. That is something that I've always used. I just love the flexibility because I mean, if you think about it, if you cut the low end of a vocal and it's a static cut, but then in the bridge they get real quiet and they come up right up next to the mic and that proximity effect is there that cuts nice Mm. right yeah but when they back up in the chorus and they start yelling and that proximity effect is gone now that's cutting too much low end so it's with that dynamic eq it's the ability to have a non-static cut um which basically lets you let's the, the tool determines how much it needs to cut based on the fluctuating amount, the amplitude of that frequency. So it's, it's really great. It, it makes everything feel more balanced and more natural um, rather than doing deep static cuts. Uh, that's what I do. And I, I use it often a lot. Like I'll do um, dynamic EQ for um, expanding, meaning that every mm-hmm. time it passes the threshold, um, it goes up. The volume goes up i do that a lot for like low end shaping um i don't want to like maybe i'll even do like a static dip but i because it's like the bass is there but i want that kick to still be hitting at that frequency so like i'll do a dip so it cuts out the bass but i'll I'll do that expanding dynamic eq up so every time the kick hits it raises that raises that frequency again just just for that moment you know various different things so expanding or compressing I, i love dynamic eq use it every mix
2: Yeah, it's something that I found is like a really, really helpful tool in mastering, honestly, especially because, you know, with the two track, you don't just, like sometimes I don't just want to cut out a certain frequency and just have it gone the whole song like I don't like that so there are just you know specific points when it's really nice to be able to just turn that dynamic EQ on and you know maybe it's only in the chorus that this one little frequency pokes out so then it just kind of tames it at that point and then you know kind of the same for me I don't really use multi-band compression a ton uh mostly because I don't really use compression a ton but um when I do use it, it's mostly just, like, low-end. Like, I don't really ever feel like I have the need to use a multiband compressor to catch stuff up top or in the mid-range. Like, I feel like most of that stuff is always pretty... It's pretty well packaged, for the most part, once it gets to me anyway. I'm,
3: I'm trying so. to think. I, think. I think I remember one instance that I'll use multiband uh, compressors, and that's, like, when I get a two-track drum kit. Like, mm. if I get a drum kit and it's just one track, stereo track drum kit, and there's the kick drum, the snare... The symbols up top and the stuff in the middle, like that's when, like, I want to be able to compress the different sections sec- differently because they're different instruments. Yeah. So, like, the low end is compressing just the kick drum, and the mid range is like the snare and the toms. So, like, it's more for control uh, instead of dynamic EQ. That's 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 the one thing that I can think of off the top of my head.
2: Yeah, absolutely. But cool. yeah,
3: typically I don't. Typically I don't use multi band. I have in the past, I might in the future, but right now I, I'm not.
2: Sweet. Well, I think that's all that needs to be said about that, honestly. Not much else to say, especially since they're kind of the same thing. And uh, I don't know, it just it just feels to me you know, like multi-brand compression is a little more uh, what would you say like general use? It's to control a larger section of the of the frequency spectrum. and then for a dynamic EQ, it's more a little more surgical, a little more precision based. You just want to control small things here and there. So I think if you got I think it with that that approach, sums it up perfectly. Yeah, I think if you go at it with that approach, you won't go wrong. So, cool beans. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap the episode up there. Links.dkmixes.com forward slash videos. No. Yeah, dkmixes.com
3: forward slash videos. You'll go to my Twitch or my YouTube. Just go to com. You'll see all my stuff. Uh, Mixingmusicpodcast.com forward slash links works as well for a lot of our stuff. So,.
2: Cool. So dkmixes.com forward slash videos, that's where you're going to get all the super sick video content that DK puts out. He's recently been putting out some really, really very well and professionally made YouTube videos, I will say. I consume, obviously when I'm looking for these clips, I consume a lot of YouTube content. And DK's videos are very, very well done. So make sure you go check those out. Thanks. And join the Mixing Music Discord, where DK will ping everybody all the time for the different videos and live streams and all that stuff. So it's just the Mixing Music Discord. Super cool place to hang out. Lots of really great people. And we will wrap it up there with a big, huge thank you to you all. We love you. We appreciate you. We couldn't do this without you. And DK, sign us off. Happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy.